Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Hi, this is Chris Shepard. Just a disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only. They should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments, or take any other actions. Thank you and enjoy the show. We have Steve Rosenberg on the show today. Steve is an international commercial airline pilot who decided to choose real estate as a path to control his own destiny. He will talk about the turning point and why he made the shift over to real estate. Also, he shares about the derivatives of success, the difference between leadership and management, and the coaching techniques that he uses to teach his clients. So without further ado, let's welcome Steve Rosenberg. All right. I think we got this going. All right. So today we've got Steve Rosenberg with us with Unlimited Mindset. So Steve, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, appreciate it. Love being able to talk with fellow investors and be involved in what's going on. So, you know, my background is from not being in real estate at all. I actually never, ever wanted to be in real estate or know anything about it. But when I was growing up, I only wanted to do one thing, and that was be an airline pilot and fly airplanes for a living. I got hired with a major airline at 25 years old and had the best job in the world, in my opinion. And then a certain day in history happened, and that was 9-11, which basically changed, changed everyone's lives, mine included. And it made me realize that the safe, secure job that I thought I had of being an airline pilot was not safe. It was not secure because 48 hours, yeah, 48 hours after 9-11, I got delivered my furlough notice that basically said, hey, thanks for playing, but we don't think we need you. And that was kind of a turning point for me that I had to realize that nobody really cared about me or my job. And I was a cog in a wheel. And if I didn't fit at the time, I had to figure it out on my own. So I basically started looking to see what did people do that created wealth or just that really not even wealth. I would say they just had a lifestyle that had the freedom to do what they want. And it just, everything seemed to point back to real estate and I didn't know anything about it. My family didn't own any. So I started reading everything I could. I read a book a week on it learned, I got mentored, I got coached, I got, you know, everything that you could imagine back in 2003, 2004. And then I got ripped off, I got lied to, I got cheated on, I got stealed from and all that. Basically, I learned my lessons, took my licks, probably like you guys did, like all of us have, ended up buying apartments, bought houses, good ones, bad ones, etc. Ended up building a property management company with with my business partner Pete Newbig. And we scaled it to about a thousand properties, and then we sold the business and exited. And you know, obviously, a lot transpired during that seven years. We were the fastest growing company in Texas for a while. Now, the I guess you could say the second half of my life is I focus on just helping investors, being an influencer, and, and trying to get people past the hurdles that I was trying to figure out on my own that I didn't see anyone out there doing. So I kind of make it a point to do that while. At the same time, during all this, I, I was and still am a commercial airline pilot for, for a major airline. So I, I kind of straddle the fence as someone who works for a living, but I also live the dream of having the life I want to have. That's amazing. That's pretty incredible. So what made you choose real estate? 
to get into? You know, honestly, when I got furlough, when I got my furlough notice from the airline, I started looking in the want ads. I'll never forget. And, you know, when you're so specialized in one field, like being an airline pilot, there's really not many other things that you're qualified to do. So I started looking to see, okay, what, <laughs> what could I do to make a living? I couldn't even get a job driving a commercial truck because I wasn't licensed. And I started realizing this specialty that I have, it's not a benefit. It's a benefit if I want to fly a metal tube around in the sky. Sure, if I want to be a pilot. But when you're on the street with 50,000 other pilots, and all of a sudden the economy is about to just go into the tank, it's not a benefit. It's a hindrance. So like I said, I just started looking at real estate as, okay, what, what is that? Like I, you know, like many people, right? I had no idea what it was. I didn't understand it. I wasn't growing up around it. I just wanted to have a job. I wanted to have a career as an airline pilot. And I realized that was not going to get me where I wanted to go. And the, I would say the biggest reason, and I guess, let me, let me re-answer your question. I noticed people that owned real estate had the lifestyle and they had the freedom to do what they want when they wanted and not have to worry about money. And I thought, that's what I want. I want that lifestyle. I still want to fly. I love being a pilot. I'll never quit being a pilot because it's a passion. But I never wanted to have to worry about, am I going to make the next round of furloughs? Can I live my life on my terms? And I noticed that real estate people almost prided themselves on the fact that they could do that without being told what to do by anybody. And I couldn't see any other asset class or any other business that gave that ability, at least at least from my you know narrow vision of seeing things. Steve, that is a really great way to put it. And I haven't really heard someone like articulate it as well as you just did right there. And it is just like, you know, that's part of the reason why we're in real estate as well is because we noticed that our dad had the lifestyle and didn't have that nine to five job. And he was able to have that freedom that we wanted and just being able to see and notice other real estate investors. You know, when I was growing up, there was a girl in my I think, first grade class and her dad was a real estate investor and he had this amazing house, amazing mansion up on the hill. And I'm just like, oh man, that's awesome. He's a real estate investor too. And it's just like, I really like the way that you put that. It's just noticing how real estate can get, can basically produce any result that you want. And that's kind of why AJ and I are in it as well. So you've written a, a handful of eBooks. What would you say, you know, those eBooks are about and like, what is kind of your philosophy when it comes to, yeah, you've done some great things and. Well, thank you. I actually, I'm a published author. I actually did publish a, a real book, I guess you could say. And it was kind of my story of me and my <laughs> business partner and just the, the drama and turmoil that we went through with building a business like you guys know, right? Anything you do when you're building a business, it's not, you know, the money coming in is inconsequential to everything else you have to do. And so I kind of wanted to walk through my story and everybody has a story. You guys have a story. I have a story. Everyone you meet in life has a story. And so I would say, you know, one of the biggest things I try to get across to people, especially nowadays, is I have learned in, and again, this is my opinion of my three by five card of the world, I guess you could say, is that success and happiness is not in a bank account. It's not even in a door count, right? So in the, in the employee world, your success is a derivative of your paycheck, or maybe in the airline industry, which is 
a union job, which is seniority based, your success is how many years you put in. So how many, how many hours of your life have you traded for pay? And that gives your seniority number, which shows your success essentially. But what I've learned, the biggest thing I try to instill in people is in real estate, in wealth, and I shouldn't even say real estate, it's not four walls and a roof or how many four walls and a roof that you own. And it's not even the the number in the bank account or the decimal point or comma in your bank account. It's what those give you. And so it's the derivative of those things. And I think that's the challenge as employees. And this is what I really, when you ask kind of what I what I try to instill in people is it's not a matter of the money that you're making. And as employees, that is your highest reward. You do a good job, you get a bonus in your paycheck. Well, if you flip the property, right, and you made an extra $50,000 on the flip, you may say, you know what, I'm going to go on vacation now. I'm going to be able to get to do something I want to do because it's a derivative of the life that you want to have. Whereas when we work as employees, we're taught that is that is the success. Your pay is your success, which is why we all know most people are unhappy. Most people, you know, I coach and mentor people and stuff. And I always ask people like, why, why do you want to own real estate? Like, what is it that real estate is going to give you? And I would say 95% of the people will go on a tirade with me of telling me everything that they don't want in life. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to have a nine to five. I don't want to be controlled. I want to be able to. So they'll tell me all the things that they don't want. And I sit there and I listen to them. And when they're done, I tell them that wasn't my question. My question is, is what do you want in life? Not what you don't want. And, you know, they'll sit there and they'll think about it and they'll say, you know what? I don't really know. I don't know what I don't want because I've been so upset at my life. And you know, you guys know as well as I do, whatever you focus on becomes your reality. So when you're focused about being miserable and you're focused about what you don't want, well, guess what? That's like saying, you know, don't hit that rock, don't hit that rock, don't hit that rock. And you drive right over and hit that rock. That becomes your reality. And so <laughs> I think a lot of people are so focused on what they don't want in life. And, and the reason I bring all this up, I'll kind of bring this full circle is a lot of people ask me, they'll say, Steve, you know, you're, you're very successful in real estate. You speak all over the world. You coach, mentor people. You, you built a business, sold it. Why are you still an airline pilot? And I ask them, I say, why is it, where is it written that I have to be miserable in my job to be successful, to have to quit? Why can't I have both? Why can't I love what I do being an airline pilot and go and be successful in something else? And it, it's just, they, they never think about it. They think their, their quest in life, a lot of people, and you guys probably as well when working with investors, they think their quest in life is to get out of their nine to five. And I'm like, if you're miserable in your life, that's a different story. You made the bad choice. That doesn't, you don't have to be miserable and still have a job. Like there's, there is a balance that exists. It, look, if you're miserable in that job, you're going to be miserable sitting on the couch. You're going to be miserable sitting on the beach. That misery doesn't, you don't break through a glass ceiling and say, I have a million dollars in the bank. Now I'm the happiest person in the world. And I think a lot of people have a very hard time thinking what it is that they want. And so to answer your question in a very long-winded way is I try to teach people that it's, it's the journey. It's not the destination. The journey is what we're doing. This is how we live. This is who we want to become because every day you're adding on to that journey. And it's not like one day you're going to wake up in this new world and this euphoric lifestyle and be this happy person. It, like, it just doesn't work that way. And I, I think a lot of people, they hope and pray that one day that's going to happen to them. And you know they end up being miserable. I mean, you guys probably know as well as I do, many people that are very, very wealthy and they are miserable and because they thought it would be one thing and it's not. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's my answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I am absolutely going to buy your book, Building an Empire. And yeah, I can't wait to read it. But I totally agree. It really is about the journey. And it's about crafting that journey so that it's, it's an awesome journey. And one of the groups that AJ and I participate in is Entrepreneurs Organization. And their core values are to go boldly and to make a mark. And those are two things that I really, really love and strive for. AJ's been doing a great job with NARPM as the RVP, and he's on track to hopefully be the president of NARPM National one of these days. But it's, we'll it, is about, we'll it, it is about the journey, though. It really, like, if you're not crafting that journey the way that you want it to be, then you're going to be miserable. Like, you're totally right. Cool. Steve, it seems like you've done so much. And while you're doing a, another job as well, like, what are maybe some like, how did you get it all done? Like, how did you have enough time to do all that? I'm sure you get this question a lot. But like, it just seems like there's so much like, how can someone accomplish that sort of thing? Those feats that you've done? Yeah, that is a good question. And, and you know, I hear people talk about the word balance. You need a balanced life. And, and, you know, respectfully, I disagree with that statement. I don't think there's anything balanced in life. I think if you're balanced in life, you're not accomplishing anything. It's like if you try to make everyone happy, you make no one happy. I think the goal to being successful is to be very focused, very intentional, but then make a pivot. I'll give you an example. I'm an airline pilot. When I am landing an airplane with 300 people in the back, you wouldn't want me balancing my life and trying to become a juggler, right? That's not a good, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I'm saying, well, I'm balancing my life. I want to have fun and I want to work. You're going to go, no, no, be a pilot first and then learn to juggle on your days off, right? So I think that the way that I have been successful is number one, I am a, you know, most people that know me, they know that I'm a full throttle, massive action person. I don't know any other way to be, to be honest with you. And it's not that I try to be a hero or I think I'm smarter or better than anyone. I just know that I believe in taking action. And, you know, if I were to look back at my days after 9-11, when I was scared and I was unsure and I didn't know what was going to be next in my life, if I would not have said yes to taking action on those days and taking, putting one foot in front of another. And look, you guys, you know, back then there was no YouTube, right? I'm not date myself, but I had to go to the library. I mean, I had to get a freaking library card and go and get books to read these books. So, you know, it wasn't like you're getting all these fake emojis and people patting you on the back telling, great job, you know, whatever. So I had to, you're really isolated in a bubble. And the only way I did this is taking massive action. So going back to what you asked me, the way that you are successful is being very focused, being very intentional, and then making a pivot. So it's kind of like if you're sailing a boat, you know, you, you, you've got to tack and then you got to pivot in the other direction, just like flying an airplane, right? So what I have learned is number one, I don't make excuses for myself. I've, Pete and I were taught very early on when we were coached by a business coach, ownership, accountability, and being responsible. And so because of that, we are very, very focused at being that type of person. And, you know, look, I'm married. I have a son. I have a family. I get up every day in the morning at 4 a.m. and I go to the gym, right? And if I have to get up at 2 a.m., I get up at 2 a.m. 
And a lot of people will ask me, they'll say, how do you fit all this in? And I say, well, it's simple. If I have to operate on two hours sleep, I operate on two hours sleep because of my why. My motivation is is more important. I, sh- I shouldn't even say motivation because motivation is like a battery. It drains over time. My why is what drives me and keeps me going. And the reason is, is I know what it's like to have that scary feeling of thinking, man, am I out of a job? Like was all this studying and everything for nothing? And the biggest, you know, fear is, is a very good driver. It's also a paralyzer, but it is a driver. And fear of being in that position again, when your when you're should becomes a must. And I had to figure out a way to feed my family. I always remember that. And the one thing I'll remember the most is that someone else was in control of my life. I did not have control of my life because I got lazy, because I thought to myself, I've got a good airline job. I'm set for life. Nothing can go wrong. And because I took the path of laziness, I let someone else dictate how my life could form. So to to answer your question, it's really less thinking and more action. Now, obviously, now that I'm, I'm older and I'm a little bit more successful, now I try to take more intentional action and I use the power of leverage. The one thing I love about real estate is the ability to leverage. You can leverage money. You can leverage people. You can leverage time. You can leverage knowledge of other people. Conversely, the challenge with real estate is knowing who to leverage, how much to leverage, and at what extent you should leverage people at. And there's no, look, you and I know, we all know there's no rule book. Nobody came to me and said, hey, Steve, here's your manual of life of how you are going to be successful, right? That doesn't exist. We have to figure it out on our own. And the reality is, is nobody really cares if we figure it out or not. The path to success is laid with souls and bodies of people that have tried it. Maybe they got to the 99 yard line, but they didn't make it. And you know what? Nobody cares if they made it or not. And I tell people all the time, you know, people ask me, they'll say, oh, how do you do that? How do you, you know, how do you go to the gym or this or that? I tell them because I make a commitment and I tell them, you can tell me all the reasons why you can't go to the gym in the morning. But at the end of the day, I really don't care. I don't care if you do that. If you don't care more than anyone else, don't expect anyone else to be. I can say, hey, I get it. I understand. Pat you on the back. And if that makes you feel good by being a quitter, I'm fine telling you that. But I really don't care if you get up or not. I know what I have to do in life. And I know what I need to do every single day. Because every I tell people, success has a recipe, right? It's not magic. If you look at people that are successful, they follow a very simple recipe of what they do. So do people who are losers in life and people who fail. They have a recipe also. And every day, the best thing about us living and breathing is we get to wake up and we get to make a decision of what are we going to be today? Are we going to be a loser or are we going to be a winner? So every day it resets and you can't carry across yesterday and you don't know what tomorrow is. So I'm a big believer that every day I reset my day. I know what I have to do and I execute. And then you know what? It's gone. And then the next day I do it again. So I make that decision every day. Again, sorry, another long-winded answer, but that's it. No, no, it's great. It's a lot of wonderful information. And it's that conviction that, you know, you're going to set out to your day and you're going to be focused and intentional with your time. And you're going to make sure that, you know, every step forward is a step forward, hopefully in, in a direction that you, you know is going to be good and going to provide you quality and a, and a better life and more freedom in the end. It's, it's amazing. Our dad always used to say, like, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. So that's, that's awesome. Appreciate it. Chris? Yeah. So Steve, you said that you're like an action person and you're like all about 
massive action. And so I, I was wondering if you could break down. I mean, I am a little bit more of a person who, you know, spends a lot of time planning and creating strategies. And when it comes to taking action, like I need to surround myself with people who create this massive action because that's an area where I can improve. So I would love to hear more about how you, just a little bit more in detail about how, you know, you're making action happen. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I'll say is if you look at the most successful people out there, they don't get 25 hours in a day. They get the same amount of hours that you and I get. So you got to ask yourself, what is it that they do? And I, I had a mentor, you know, Pete, my business partner, I, we invested a lot of money in ourselves, as I'm sure you guys do, to be better people. Because look, you don't just fall out of the sky and become this successful entrepreneur or business person. You have to be, you have to be creative. And so one of the things I learned one day I was sitting with him and I was, you know, we had our business, we we're growing our property management company. And I was like, man, I just, we just can't seem to get over the hump. Like we're just, we're just grinding it out. And it's like every day we're putting out fires. And he sat there and he listened to me and he said, Steve, let me tell you something. He said, every day you make a decision. And I'm like, yeah, I know I make a decision, success, fail. I get it. He says, no, no. He goes, do you know the difference between people that are successful and the people that are not? And I'm thinking, well, if I knew that answer, I probably wouldn't be asking, but I'm like, no, I don't. He goes, we say no more than we say yes. He said, being successful is a matter of having a deselection process in your life. It's not a matter of taking on more. So it goes back to the Gary Keller one thing book, many things like this. It's a matter of having focus. So I always thought about that. Now he said, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't get done. And I'm not saying you're not responsible for something. But what I am saying is that it doesn't have to be done by you. So the key to being a good leader is to inspire people and to have that tribe that follows behind you. And I always remember that. So as we were growing our property management company, we started getting into, I really wanted to leverage virtual assistants. And I was like, I've got to figure this out. There's a way to make this happen. So long story short, at the height of our company with a thousand doors, we had 60% of our company operating with virtual assistants in Mexico. We got so good at it that we actually started placing them for other people and other companies because we understood that we learned the recipe for it. And we realized that in order to be successful, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's kind of, it's ignorant for us to think I have to have an employee standing next to me, especially now with COVID, right? We kind of see the, how the reality is of that. Well, we, we were early adopters of that and we got very, very good. And what I have learned is that I don't need to do everything. I just need to be told what is going on on a daily basis. And I need to be control of everything or at least have a say. So going back to your question of what it is that I do, when I say massive action, I don't mean that I'm always the one doing the massive action. I have a lot of ideas. Pete used to say, I get 10 ideas a day. Nine of them suck, but one of them was the moneymaker. And he's like, my job is to figure out the moneymaker. And I'm like, okay, well then, then once we know the moneymaker, we have to delegate that, right? So you've got to learn to delegate, right? And so I'm a big believer. I sit down every day and, and look, there's no one that's going to be successful that is always shoot off the hip, right? That, that doesn't, so I'm not a shoot off the hip kind of person. But I will say that I also know you're not going to be successful if you sit and plan all day and you never take action. So there's got to be a balance between those two. And I think the only way of doing that is planning and action. So, you know, you got to have a goal. And I'll give you a quick example. 
when Pete and I were building our business and I was sitting next to one of our mentors who just got done speaking in front of, you know, a thousand people or something. And we're at the bar having a beer. And he says, so Steve, when's the day? And I'm like, day for what? And he's like, the day you sell your business. And I said, oh, we're not going to sell our business. You know, we just heard him talking about creating family wealth and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, we're going to, you know, I'm kind of reciting all the things to him. And he looked at me and he said, the reason you have a sale date for your business is because it means you have a commercial profitable enterprise that runs without you. The reason you have to have a sale date is if you don't have a date on it, it's not a goal. It's a dream. And he said, the reason it has to be a saleable asset is it means it needs to run without you. So if you're trying to create a business that you can have the life you want to have, I'm not saying you have to sell it, but you have to have a goal to make that happen. So give me a date. And I'm thinking to myself, why the hell did I sit next to this guy? Like, now this is awkward, right? I said, I threw out a date, <laughs> February of 2020, right? I just threw a date out there. He said, write it on a napkin. I'm thinking, oh, whatever. So I write it on a napkin. We sold our business October of 2019. Is that coincidence? I don't know. We never, ever planned on selling our business. That was never our goal. But within six months of me writing down that date, five years prior, we actually sold our business. And look, I don't know if we were taking actionable steps every day towards that subconsciously. I don't know. But I do know that, you know, being the hardest worker in the room only makes you the most tired. I mean, look, if the people who worked the hardest were the most successful, construction workers and day laborers would be the wealthiest people on the planet. But they're not. But we tell ourselves that story because we want to be busy being busy because we don't want to accept the fact that we have to take responsibility for getting things done that need to be done. So we think being busy, we're going to be successful. And it's a lie that we tell ourselves. So kind of going back to your question, the way that you are successful by being action oriented is being very focused. Like I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I do, right? When I want to get stuff done every single day, I wake up in the morning, I sit down, I write out my I am statements, which are 20 statements of, you know, basically saying who you are, affirmations, whatever you want to call them. I flip the page over and I write down, okay, what are the five things that I have to get done today that are non-negotiables? Like I don't go to bed unless these things are done. And I look at my phone, I look at my to-do list, I look at all these things, I write down five. Then I have other things of like things I need to do. Like I need to get the oil changed. I need to call this guy. But those are not non-negotiables. The non-negotiables have to get done. And I take that paper, very simple piece of paper, I tape it onto the front of a folder and I carry that around with me every single day. It's a very simplistic way. So when I talk to people, when I coach to people, one of the first things I do is, you know, I'm asking them questions and, you know, everyone tells me that they don't have time, right? Well, everybody has the same amount of time. You're just choosing to not use it. One of the things I tell people to do is for the next two weeks, I make them write a time log of everything they do from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed. And I tell them, first of all, if you want me to coach you, the day that you don't send that to me is the last day you'll ever hear from me. I don't give a shit if you paid me all the money or not. You're not going to hear from me again because if you don't want it more than you, I can't make you do it. So what they're going to do at the end of the day is they're going to send me their time log of what they've done. But on top of their time log, they're going to break down their day and they are going to block off 15 minutes email, 45 minutes social media, 40 minutes driving the car. I don't care what it is. That's the second thing they're going to do. The third thing they're going to do is they're going to write an executive summary to me, one or two sentences of them just giving me an auditor's perspective of how they think their day went. I'm not asking for anything. I just want to know, how do you think your day went? 
what's interesting is every person that I coach that I do this with, within about a week and a half, it is crystal clear to them where their weaknesses are and why they're not being effective in their life. I don't have to tell them because if I say it, it's not true. But when they write pen to paper and they do it, and we used to do this with our staff members all the time when they would say, I'm busy, busy doing what? I don't know. I'm just busy, right? So I implement this with people that I coach and it is shocking to them how much time they waste and how ineffective they are. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's my answer. <laughs> I love it, Steve. So yeah, massive action. That's, that's incredible. So you were really touching on delegating and how to leverage other people's time and leveraging systems as well. I guess one of the areas where I struggle in delegating is like helping an employee get to where they're producing a product or like, you know, solving a problem or doing something up to the quality level that we need to where I don't have to like jump in and assist on it. Or do you kind of understand what I'm saying there? A hundred percent. Yeah. So and again, with us having a company, having employees, we had, I don't know, 25 employees in Mexico, right? So now you're not, you're not face to face with them. So what I've learned is, do you have a person problem? Do you have a system problem? Or believe it or not, the majority of the time you have a leadership problem and it's a communication problem from the leadership. They say the fish stinks from the head down. So my question to people <laughs> is, is when, when there's a leadership, when all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing employees running out the door or bad environment, I always look to the leader and I'm like, okay, this is on you. So what is it that you're doing or not doing that is causing this? Well, as soon as there's defense mechanism, I already know the answer. So it goes back to understanding, okay, what tools are you giving them to succeed? The job of a boss CEO is to be the inspiration. So a lot of times people who own companies and have employees, they mistake leadership for management. They think that being a manager is actually leading. So a leader inspires, they lead them on. They get people that want to come to work for the vision of what they're inspiring them to do. That is what a leader does. So a leader says, hey, I'm going to go charge this hill. And he turns around and everyone is running behind him, super excited. The manager is behind them and says, if you don't get up the hill, you're fired. Many people think that that's leadership. That is not leadership. So a lot of times we think that, hey, I'm the leader of the company, I'm the CEO, and I ask them, what is it that you're doing to become a better leader on a daily basis, number one? How are you inspiring people to be better? And if there is no inspiration, like I said, it could be, it could be a wrong person, wrong seat, so I would recommend that you do a disc profiling or some kind of personality profiling of them. I would also recommend that you look at their metrics and their KPIs. So if, you're, if you don't have metrics and KPIs that are being watched constantly, that's another challenge, but that's a leadership challenge because you're not putting that in place. And then I would say, okay, if they're the right person, they're the right disc profile, right? You look at EOS, it's like they get it, they want it, they have the ability. Do they have the right tools? So are you setting them up for success with the right tools? Are you investing in the company? If that's the answer and that's the answer, it's a leadership problem. I don't know if that answers your question. I don't know if you wanted to hear that, but that would be my answer. Without knowing more information, I would say you've got to metric them. You've got to have a measurement stick. You've got to hold them accountable. You've got to be consistent. And more importantly, you've got to be the leader. You don't be the manager. There's a time and place for management. 
But more importantly, there's more people don't go to work for a paycheck. They go to work for a reason. And when they lose sight of that reason, normally that employee has already quit three months before you realize it and fire them or they leave on their own. So it's normally a leadership problem is what I've learned. That is so true. Yeah. You know, just lots of epiphanies going off in my head. Like it's so true about the manager and the, and the leader. That's just such good advice. Well, I think it's probably time we get to the last four questions. Steve, you, you ready for these? Let's do it, brother. All right. I'm going to start off with the first one. What's one piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? Start with the end in mind. Create the goal and the life that I want to have and work it backwards. Reverse engineering. That's amazing. All right. Second question. What was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Eight years old, I bought stock in AT&T. Awesome. Do you still have it? <laughs> Actually, I do. I still have it. Yeah. And it's funny because I was so obviously at eight years old, they don't, stockbrokers don't talk to you. You had to call in the newspaper and they had to, <laughs> I, I had to have my mom on the phone because they didn't believe that I really had the, had the ability or had the money to buy the stock. And that was like, I call that my first entrepreneur. You could say newspaper route, but to me, that was the first time I started understanding what money was, what stocks were. And so that was, a, that was a really big moment for me. That's awesome. That's a great education at a very young age. Our so dad, what's that stock worth now? How many times has it split? <laughs> I don't know what it's worth now, but I could tell you it, it is. It's funny because I only bought like three shares at the time. Like I really, you know, and I would save my money and every day I would go get the newspaper, you know, and I, I would open the newspaper and I would look for at and It was back in the, I mean, just to date myself, it was back when they split from Southwest Bell and Pac Bell and all these Ma Bell got broken up by the government. And somebody said, if you want to be successful, own stock. And I'm like, what is it? What is that? You know, I thought he said sock, but he said stock. And so, <laughs> uh, so, you know, and, and so I, I learned that now, you know, I'm a big believer in real estate. My son at 14 years old, he bought his first rental property. So, you know, my stock of my day was his rental property of his day, you know? That's Very awesome. Cool. How has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? Oh man, that's a good question. You know, I would say I am who I am because of both formal and informal. I'm a, I'm a product of my successes, of my mistakes, of my wins and my losses. And, and I will tell you and anyone else, I am more proud of my failures and losses in life than any win I've ever had because, because of the failures and the losses and the lessons, I have become as successful as I want to be and had the life for me and my family and everyone simply because of the derivatives of those losses that I had to endure. Now, at the time, we never think like, hey, this is a good thing. I just got ripped off for $30,000, right? But at the end, it actually, you know, if you, if you look at it correctly and you take emotions out, you will realize that there are lessons in everything that you do, both good lessons and bad lessons, but there are always lessons. And so your ego and pride are normally the reasons why you don't accept the lesson. Well, that goes in perfectly to our next question. And that is, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn? Huh. Gosh, well, you have to read my book. There's many. I would say going back, <laughs> I, I would tie it back to my, my first, your first question is I never had a goal. I thought that buying real estate was the key to success. What I didn't realize that the hardest part of actually creating wealth was getting the money out of it day after day, week after week, year after year. And so the biggest mistake I had was I didn't have an end goal. It's like I just got on the freeway. 
I got on the five freeway and I just started driving. And I didn't know if I was going in the right direction, the wrong direction. I didn't know how much gas I had. I was just busy being busy. And, and I see a lot of people, you know, you see people flipping, wholesaling, doing all these things. And they think that just because they're busy, that they're actually going somewhere in life. And they're not. They're just on a freeway. And they don't understand that freeway needs to take you somewhere. And look, I've learned my lesson thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, sleepless nights. And the one thing I'll tell people is it's not so much the money. It's to me, it was the stress factor, the sleepless nights, and most importantly, knowing that I did it myself. I put myself and my family in this position because I didn't do the proper steps and I didn't follow the recipe because I just thought, go get shit done and you'll be successful. And that is not how it works. Thank you, Steve. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Your insights are wonderful. If our audience members want to reach out or get a hold of you, what's the best way they should contact you or, or learn more about you? Yeah, yeah. And, and I appreciate you guys having me on. They can find me on, they can go to my website, steverosenberg.com. So it's R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. They can go to my YouTube channel. I drop a new video every single day. Also, Instagram, Rosenberg, Steve, Facebook. I mean, I'm pretty much on every social channel and I just give education. I just, I give insight and education from an airline pilot perspective, from a business owner perspective, from an investor perspective. And you know what? If I can help someone avoid making the mistakes that I have made over the years, then I'm good. Like you guys, I don't operate on money. That's not my driver. You get to a point in life that you have enough money. We want something more in life. And so if I can help people, then I feel fulfilled. That's great. Well, thank you again, Steve. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences with us. Yeah, I was My very pleasure. inspired. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me. Steve, I look forward to you know catching up with you face-to-face. If you ever are in Portland, I'd love to grab a beer. But yeah, thank you for the, the inspiration and the motivation. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. You guys are doing a great thing and, and just keep out inspiring people and helping them. All right. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.